0: All right, so on the podcast tonight, we have Craig Dutton. He is a part time sportscaster for West Virginia Radio, uh, 93.5 the FBY in the Fairmont area. And he's also a former sportscaster at Seven Ranges Radio. I know you will love listening to him talk about what it takes to be a sports broadcaster since, and some funny stories about him uh, doing different games. And thank you all for listening to the Mind of a Football Coach podcast. All right, so on the podcast tonight, we have Craig Dutton. Craig, welcome to the podcast. I'm very glad to be here, Zach. How are you doing today? Man, I'm doing good. Uh, it's just at this nighttime, drinking some coffee. Uh, the kids are down, and we're talking broadcasting, and it's going to be it's awesome. I wouldn't want to do anything else with, with my night.
1: Well, we were talking about this before we even did the interview. There are plenty of other media, plenty of other media members ahead of me. I know you already interviewed Mark Martin and Josh Lewis in the past, and I know there's plenty of other media people I know that have a lot more experience than me in the, in the broadcast field, but I'm very, very humbled to be here this evening.
0: You know, I really have a lot of respect for people in, in media and broadcast, because I don't know that I could... I could talk for an entire game and have something good to say and it's color analysis. And it was a coach. You're just thinking about the next play and trying to make a call or make a decision. And I I just have so much respect for what you guys do.
1: There, there is a rhythm to it, Zach. And I I can't explain it. You just have to jump into it. And I'll be quite honest, from our perspective as, as a broadcaster, most people who are broadcasting look at the coaching aspect and realize okay, I feel better being in the booth calling the game <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's a lot easier to try to describe what's happening on the field, but to get into a coach's mind, that's a whole different aspect of broadcasting. I have always been from the fan perspective of trying mm. to watch a broadcast and I always give benefit of doubt to the officials because that's a whole other story too, mm-hmm. You know, how officials are being targeted from time to time, not in West Virginia necessarily, but nationwide. I know there's going to be a shortage of uh, sports officials eventually but honestly the game itself I'm just a humongous fan of high school sports in the state most expe- specific uh, specifically high school football
0: mm-hmm. yeah obviously I think high school football is the best sport ever but why do you think that is like what, what makes you enjoy it so much
1: the community uh, involvement the, about everywhere I've seen it there's a lot of community involvement you get the marching bands, you get community members. It seems like there's anything going on that time of the year in a county or, or a town or a community or city, uh, what better way to advertise it when there's thousands of people in one place at one time? You know, barring last year was a, was a minor example with COVID. Uh, honestly, this high school football is a good way to try to get your community together, even beyond the game itself. I've always been impressed by how people use it as an opportunity to socialize and try to get the word out. And then the game itself does take center stage amid all of that.
0: Yeah. The community part is, is so huge. I, I feel <laughs> like that is, that is what people come out for. They can see their, their friends, people they live with their whole life. And that's just such an interesting dynamic to the, to high school sports in in general, not just, not just football.
1: It is and high school sports have always been a good way to do so. And I've always enjoyed having some kind of emphasis in it in some way or the other and broadcasting I will say didn't come naturally to me at first I just enjoy it and I love you know covering the sport in a sense from week to week and it's very patient how it's covered and all the people I've ever worked with have been wonderful in trying to get the word out for the student athletes and that's the number one priority when it comes to it
0: Mm. yeah no doubt so Without further ado, go into your career—kind of how you got into it, how you got started, and what's your what's exactly you're you're doing at the moment.
1: I lettered as a member of the marching band from St. Mary's High School and graduated in 2005. And when I went into college, I went into meteorology, but I switched over to communications at West Virginia State University in Charleston. And it was around that time I just felt like it was it was something I wanted to pursue. Was broadcasting. Now, you don't do it necessarily for the money, especially in high school level. You're doing it for the fun and doing it more or less as a hobby. And I really enjoy that. It's a good stress reliever for me doing broadcasting. But when I started out, it was it was a chore trying to get used to what your knack was. And I've worked with many great people in college at West Virginia State University. After that, I, I got the job while at State uh, with uh, the community radio stations where I grew up in St. Mary's, West Virginia. I went to Seven Ranges Radio immediately and worked as a caller analyst my first year with Eric Little, covering Tyler Consolidated, Payton City, and River Pilots uh, up around the New Martinsville, Tyler County area. And I got to work with him for four seasons. And then I took a break from that for one year, did like a post game show we had on the stations on uh, the flagship station, Light Rock 93R. And I actually got in the role of play-by-play in 2013, seven years, voice of the Tyler Consolidated Knights, occasionally did Peyton City Wildcats. And I've covered some spectacular playoff games and regular season games with the River Pilots uh, from Hannibal, Ohio. And that was really fun for those seven years broadcasting. There's been many people I've worked with over those years uh, from Seven Ranges Radio and I actually took a break because after I got married in 2018, I did two more seasons for Tyler, and then I took a break from uh, broadcasting. I thought it was going to be a full break, mm-hmm. and I actually had a benefit from COVID this last year. I saw that where a lot, where when they made that announcement two weeks before the high school football season started, that they were limiting attendance to only family and friends. I thought maybe I better put my name out there in some way.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, no doubt. Gee whiz. Uh,
1: So I contacted Lincoln High School. I knew they didn't have anything at that moment. And Holly Hawkins and Rob Hawkins, outstanding people, they told me, well, no, you can't do the games over Facebook for us, uh, doing audio only. I'm going to transfer your name over to Metro News. And uh, all the credit in the world, Jack Murphy, Travis Jones, our sports director, uh, they gave me a position on to do caller commentary. And I'm working with Andrew Caridi. Uh, the son of Tony uh, Creedy for the, uh, who's the voice of the link, uh, you know, Tony Creedy's the voice of the, yeah, Mountaineers. the Mountaineers. Yeah. So Andrew has his own knack uh, as a broadcaster and I've really enjoyed working with him this last season for Lincoln. I hope to continue to for West Virginia radio corporation.
0: <laughs> Man, that's awesome. I, we, uh, we got connected, you know, after, you know, I'm just no longer the coach at nitro and yeah. s- we con- connected and talked and, Uh, Yeah, I love your western the tailgate stuff you do with coaching records and who's actively a coach and that that must be a lot of time to do all that. Goodness gracious!
1: Well, I enjoy the math aspect of it, but you know, honestly, Zach, all the credit in the world goes to the people who moderate that site. There's a guy whose name is Carl Ed Mm Forshee from Parkersburg. He's an administrator, and there's a couple guys from the southeastern end of the state. One's from Greenbrier West, I believe. He's one of the administrators. But even more amazing, there was a guy way before this. He goes by West Virginia football historian, high school football historian. Well, it's Rick Baker. He's the public address announcer at Bluefield High School. And okay. a buddy of his, Robert Bonar, they, they have a site called fourseasonsfootball.com. Yes. yeah, And that's where I took all this information from their work, their hard work. They deserve all the credit. The only thing I had a hard time with was trying to get the out of state records. And they helped me a little bit on that, too. Okay.
0: That's so cool. Cause, cause it's, it's hard to find that kind of stuff. You know, what, what, what's guys records and where they coached and things of that nature. Uh, that's really interesting. Cause I mean, the four seasons football, somebody told me about that a little while ago and I said, really, you can look all that up. I said, yeah, somebody's compiled that. That's, that's, that's unique. I, it's hard to find some of that, you know, through Matt, like Matt's prex. sometimes is not the most reliable uh, source.
1: I'm not sure why the, the predominance of wanting to be on max preps. It seems like it's the same thing of reporting to the SSAC website. There doesn't seem to be the biggest emphasis to try to get that information out there at times. But honestly, you call the athletic directors, you call the coaches, about everyone I've ever talked to. They're very gracious and willing to get you that information, regardless if it's a roster or any special information about an athlete you want to broadcast that week. It's they're easy, Everyone's been easy going to work with.
0: <laughs> i tell you what, I like as a head coach, you report the score on the SSAC website, Mm -hmm. and that is something that I usually forget every time until Monday and the AD sends you an email, hey, make sure you put the the score on there and you go, oh, oops, you know, because that's – it's something you're not even thinking about. You're thinking about, okay, the game's over, going next game, and it's, oh, man, my bad. People – it's not on there for the points and all that stuff. It's, yeah, I I admit my fault right there.
1: You don't have to take any fault whatsoever because regardless – by midnight on Friday night, Fred and Dave up at uh, game night will have the final score by someone. Yeah, that's by that true. Very true.
0: <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So, I mean, what made you want to like be a broadcaster? So when you're thinking you're a young man, what made you th- th- say, I want to do this. this? This interests me.
1: I was never the athletic type, I felt. I played one year of football, and that was under middle school coach Jody Moe. And oh, <laughs> a couple okay. of years later, he took the head coaching job at St. Mary's, and that's someone I've always looked to as a guy similar in your steps that wants to start a program at a school. Well, Jody was given all that time at St. Mary's to be able to build that community aspect for this for the Blue Devils, and mm. now he's have two state titles under his belt. You know, this last year he had one given to him, and then the one they earned in '16 and Class A. Honestly, that was an impressive uh, feat to see how a community can just wrap around one person and build that. I kind of like the idea of telling that story and just broadcasting to people Mm. as it grows or as it becomes that way. I even find interesting aspects of a game where teams are winless. I find find the avenue of where there's something interesting in regards Mm. to that. And I know Eric Little's going to (laughs) find... (laughs) if he catches wind of this one of the funnier moments I ever had with him was when we were covering a Peyton City game and they were playing uh St. Bel Air St. John's back in 2008 or 2009 may have been nine or ten and both teams were winless going in Mm -hmm. and we went to a third overtime and it was funny we went to commercial break he said well if Bel Air St. John's can't score we're going to go to a fourth overtime I had to grab him on the shoulder during the break I said Eric, it'll become a tie, because that's when there was a tie rule. And
0: I was, oh, you know. my gosh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I had to tell him, we are going to go to a tie. And it was funny, at that moment, it was right around the time when Donovan McNabb for the Philadelphia Eagles had said, I never knew there was such a thing as an end to overtime. So he made a joke in reference to that and smoothed it all over. I thought that was pretty, pretty fun aspect. But Bel St. John's did score a touchdown and won the game in thir- three overtimes at Peyton City that evening.
0: No doubt. i tell you what, that's one of those things I have to brush up on every year is overtime rules. Because I've only been in it – I've been in it one time in uh, the state of West Virginia, and we won the game at Morgantown 2017. But, yeah, it's one of those things that when they they have the PDF of all the rules, you have to go through. And, okay, has anything changed in this? Because, you know, it's different from the – obviously, NFL or college. and I'm sure for you guys as broadcasters, that can be difficult too especially you know, trying to brush up on rules and what's the interpretation and how's, this, how's high school different from NFL and, and from college?
1: It is different now because this last year they just implemented the new rules by the SSAC where you just keep playing uh, mm-hmm. and at the high school level. And I'm not sure. I know the NCAA adapted where they're going to start going to two-point conversions after two overtimes. I wonder mm-hmm. if that will eventually happen with the National Federation of High Schools and the SSAC. But right now, I think you start the 20-yard line Mm-hmm. And you just keep playing overtime until finally someone wins. And I think you, mm-hmm. I think they did adapt the two-point conversion rule after one overtime or two overtimes, where mm-hmm. you are forced to go for two. So, I mean, I'm glad that they actually adapted that to where you you have to keep going. But I think the point standings are still in there, where if there is still for chance a, a, a tie, uh, you mm-hmm. you can still apply those points rules for each team. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody wants a set of ties like kissing your sister. I, I think I still believe that. <laughs> you know, who wants to tie? You either want to win or lose, right? You know.
1: I think the last tie officially in West Virginia right now was a game played in 19. I think it was between Bridgeport, Ohio, and Madonna. And oh, it was okay. funny. A lot of people from Ohio, they don't have those rules. In Ohio, you keep playing.
0: You keep going. So oh, man.
1: I don't know what Ohio did, but somehow they adapted a new set of rules to cover for a tie that was – uh, played on a field in West Virginia.
0: <laughs> mm. Okay, man, that's – it's and that's it got to be interesting too if you're broadcasting a game of teams from Ohio, teams from West Virginia. You yes. know, like where is it played matters as far as some rules, interpretations, and, and things of that nature.
1: Coin toss is the big one. Uh, in Ohio, you have the coin toss 15 minutes before kickoff. So I always ah. found that interesting. We always had our coin toss sponsored on WXCR where I called for Tyler Consolidated – so when we go to River, we'd always have to get our sideline reporter to get the coin toss halfway through pregame
0: before oh, we even
1: had because normally West Virginia coin tosses right before kickoff.
0: <laughs> why does Ohio do that? Does anybody know why they do that? That's interesting.
1: I think it's just to get the captains refocused. They can have that last moment with their team before they come out the tunnel because if you think oh, about okay. that, captains aren't with their team in West Virginia necessarily. They have to come out with the officials to do the handshake and greet. And they're not usually with the team as they're, you know, trying to get momentum coming out of their their respective locker rooms.
0: I got a funny story about a pregame coin toss. So <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't. This is was my junior year of high school. We were playing in the state championship game at Dope Campbell Stadium, Florida State's stadium. Oh wow! And uh, our captains went into the. Uh, it was cool playing high school ball in Florida. So my junior year, we won the state championship game in Florida State Stadium. My senior year, we won it at the swamp. So they, that was, that was neat. That was a cool experience. Uh, but my junior, anyway, my, my junior year, uh, our captains go in, there's like a room they take them into. So like the, the three captains from us went to a room, three captains from the other team went in they do the coin toss before the game so they can run out, oh, wow. and, you know, the, and well, the captains still go out, but it's pre-decided. They know what's going to happen. So a kid doesn't get out there to the 50 and <laughs> they freeze up because they're, you know, dope <laughs> Campbell stadium. And our captain, that was our speaking captain, said kick. And our coach, our head coach, was said no, no, no. And the official said no, coach. He's the talking captain. So we kicked both halves. Now we beat them forty-two to seven, but we kicked off both halves huh. of the of the two thousand two state championship game. It was wild.
1: There's times that you could pick up on stuff when there's confusion between captains and the coaches. Mm -hmm. I have actually broadcasted that before (laughs) Uh, Tyler Consolidate was playing at Williamstown when Mm -hmm. legendary coach Terry Smith was still coach for the yellow jackets. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to name the team captain. I can probably remember who it was, but he played on defense for the jackets he was an all-stater and it was Mm -hmm. their first game of the season. They played Tyler normally in at the first game of the season when this happened and this may be the reason why the game was moved in the middle of the season after this. But, oh, man. Um, the, the captain walked down the field, and Williamstown won the toss, and then all of a sudden, our our silent reporter had the microphone on the player and the official, mm-hmm. and the, the captain said, we're going to kick. And then the head oh, no. official looked right at him at the eyes and said, do you, you want to kick? And then he looked over to head coach Terry Smith and said, kick, right? And then we could hear this through the microphone going on. Our oh, my podcast. gosh. And then Terry Smith said, yeah, 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 yeah. Do that. Like, don't like the defer sing- single. Don't oh, defer dear. to the second half. And then he told him kick. And he said, all right, we're going to kick. And then he walked over to Coach Smith. And I think the official said, well, he said kick. So you guys are going to be kicking for two halves probably. Yep. And we had to broadcast that. I thought, I can't believe we actually had that on the air. It was kind of funny. But that, that confusion does happen from time to time. And it, it's funny when you get into those minute things. I just have a fun time with it. You know, there was never mm-hmm. anything personal taken towards a situation because in the game of football or any other sport, you're always learning. You know, something. Sure,
0: absolutely. <laughs> so like in, in a broadcast, how... I've always wondered how do broadcasters have how do you know the names of people so quickly and how do you do the stats so fast? I'm guessing there's a statistician and a spotter. Is that kind of how that works? That
1: would be nice. Uh (laughs) Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. So this is so this you
0: are like superhuman because you guys can do that. You guys are great at doing that. So tell me how that works. I don't know how that works.
1: Well, whenever I divvy things up between play by play, sometimes I could do individual stats. I train myself to where I could eventually do that and call the game. Okay. And I know plenty of people that can do that. I know people i work worked with, Eric Little, who's the voice of the Parkersburg South Patriots, and I worked with a Tyler, he could do stats off the cuff. But he, you always want your caller guy, usually your caller analyst to help do that and give you commentary. So mm-hmm. you can't talk for three and a half hours straight. So it's good to have a caller analyst to be able to help give you, you know, paint the picture. That's how I've always learned it, paint the picture of the broadcast and get the pertinent stats we only worry about offensive individual stats and maybe sacks defensively and some special teams uh stats but quite honestly whatever you know your Coloranists can contribute you let them do so and the sideline reporter that was a luxury for us i enjoyed having that because we could interview coaches at halftime and post game and sometimes we've got some pretty good nuggets from coaches when trying to get prepared for their next broadcast but in the play-by-play role I've always found it easier when I let the color analyst do the individual stats and I worry about drive summaries, sometimes Mm -hmm. the scoring summaries, the penalties, and just overall what's going on. Cause I'm trying to focus on advertising. I'm trying to focus how many, how many, uh, how long the break's going to be after a score and you're Mm -hmm. constantly talking to somebody back in the studio. Who's going to get you back on the air. It's just fun. I, I, there's a lot of chaotic stuff going on, but the game is always the central focus whenever I've always put it, always made the game the central focus and everyone else who's helped on the broadcast knows that too. And they get as much fun out of it just the same whenever we make the game yeah. on primary focus.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I, I just, when I listen to the broadcast or I'll pick up a game on YouTube and listen to the guys doing the broadcast, it blows my mind how much y'all juggle in that. It is a different camera angle. You're talking about this player, this stat, like how much do you have written down in front of you, like, what's your preparation like when you go to to do a game?
1: TV is a whole different aspect. You can be laid back because people are watching it. You don't have to be as descriptive. And then okay. radio, I like it because you're trying to tell them exactly what's going on. What formation mm-hmm. are they going into? Are they going to a double wing shotgun, or are they going into I formation? Mm-hmm. The defense is going to run four guys off the line. You know, it's really fun to describe that. Um, but the preparation that goes into it, like rosters and memorization of names, there's not a lot of memorization. You just try mm. to remember the guys who will be key in that backfield or some of your guys on okay. the offensive line are going to get the key blocks. And everything else seems to fit right in the holes mm. as you start the broadcast. Um, I like mentioning different names throughout the night. So whenever someone really comes up, with a big play that's like this 110 pound linebacker who shouldn't be out there at times and he comes up and makes a stop i'll say hey he's a 110 sophomore linebacker you know there you go wow what a stop for him on that last play i like to put emphasis on those guys because you know sometimes their family may be listening and they're not one of the bread and butter guys that you mention on the broadcast <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. that's cool i remember I mean, remember, like as a head coach, you get you get the questions before the game, if, they're, if it's going to be broadcast or whatever, and you're giving people names and stats and like in numbers. But it's just amazing to me that the broadcasters can have those things written down and can recall them real time. That's just, that's a, that's quite a skill. It really is.
1: Play by play, I found out over time, it's easier to remember like turnovers. You can remember, you could do tallies in your mind where turnovers were or a key moment in the game. You just pick up on that stuff stuff over time and there's times i go back and think in my mind like oh i should have mentioned it that was a great moment but the key is you just got to keep rolling keep going to the next step because people are ready to know what's going on and also always remember to say the score
0: (laughs) Mm, yes yes i feel like though i feel like when you're listening on the radio Mm -hmm. you're as somebody who's listening you're listening to hear the score but that's got to be a tough balance for the play-by-play person because you don't want to just you don't want to give the score every 30 seconds that would get a, a little annoying
1: you know what's funny a lot of people like that
0: <laughs> okay okay
1: I, I, it's amazing I, many people who are just flipping through the radio driving they, they like to hear that I find it amazing <laughs> too because sometimes you get caught up in the drive if it's if it's mm. a real fun drive and the team is trying to get a gut check effort to get a, a final score uh, to tie the ball game up and like they convert convert two or three fourth downs it's like oh this is so amazing you're trying to set it up you think oh yeah by the way the score is this
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah no I doubt like
1: yeah, you got to remember to tell them why is this so important because the team is down by six or seven or eight points and a tie here would you know continue the ball game pushing in overtime or potentially they take the lead so it's really fun in that aspect but you're right it's I think when it comes to, you know, pleasing the listeners, a lot of them do like to listen to the score, but at the same time, they, they like the general conversation. Like you said, it, it's fun mm-hmm. to be able to hear the names, have that conversation, but also pepper in the score as much as you can.
0: <laughs> oh, no doubt. No doubt. So when you're in college going to, to learn how to broadcast, like what are, what, are you, what are you learning? What are skills like basic skills that you learn early, early on to be a broadcaster?
1: it's balancing that conversation with who you're working with and the game itself, because sometimes I remember coming off as uneasy on a broadcast at West Virginia state. Mm -hmm. And of course it was a learning ground. And I've worked with great people there. Uh, Lee France, uh, he used to be in the Charleston market for years. He's now in Texas. And uh, Dave Miller, uh, who works at WVVA now, but he was also a play by play with me during that time. And, Another name, Dominic Groves, he works at uh, Eyewitness News on their Mm -hmm. staff. I worked with a lot of great guys there. And even Ben Ben Grady was another one, too. He worked in West Virginia Radio there for a while while we were in college. So it was just trying to work a relationship because you're going to have different people all the time. Mm -hmm. I've always told people, you know, now after looking back on it, just try to be yourself, have a fun Mm -hmm. time because, you know, we're calling a game. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's really fun. But there was a lot of, there was a lot of wear and tear at times and there was a lot of hard lessons learned when it came to it because is there a time proper time to laugh at something or do you need to focus on the game because most of the time Mm -hmm. people want to know what's going on during the broadcast you don't want to miss an important part of the game
0: (laughs) i imagine your hours are all over the place you're getting in late you know maybe you're having to start early for a broadcast that kind of stuff
1: (laughs) i tell you what, right now, it's very laid back for me. The only thing I do now is Lincoln football, practically. I would have filled in for Andrew for one basketball broadcast uh, this mm-hmm. winter because they do a one-man crew for basketball. Okay. Uh, but honestly, when things were going full force with for Seven Rangers Radio, yeah, I mean, it, w- it was fun, but it was busy because I would take the extra time and effort to gather information, the stats, get our stat sheets ready to make them easy to write down and, I would just gradually, you know, you, you create your stat sheets to where you can, you can uh, add up your totals on the yardage as you go along with the stat line. So that way it makes it easier. You can just say, okay, 13 carries for 149 yards and three touchdowns. That's mm-hmm. where they stand right now in the second quarter, you know, for this tailback. And it, it, a lot of that preparation, it, it took a couple nights out of the week, but I enjoy it. It's just something I look forward to. And mm-hmm. you mentioned four, four seasons football as well. That was a whole other aspect to my broadcast I added Mm is adding coaching records and how the team fares to do on home and away surfaces. And Mm -hmm. it's, there's so many more resources coming out there to be able to use. And you're right. From times people would stay up late to do it. I know guys that right now, they're not, not like what I do. Eric Little, who covers South, he covers PH Parkersburg South. He'll travel Mm -hmm. across the state. Next morning, he's on the morning show on V96.9 Parkersburg at four in the morning. So mm-hmm. it, it just tells you right there that there's a lot of guys that put a lot of effort into what mm-hmm. they do. Just beyond whatever I do, I'm a part-timer, but I give a mm-hmm. lot of credit to what the full-timers do in terms of sportscasters. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I've become pretty good friends with Brandon Lowe, who does some sports stuff and some radio mm-hmm. stuff here in Charleston. And we we did a like a radio thing when we were about to play St. Albans, the first game of the year. Then I got pushed five weeks later, but I was in the radio studio and it is amazing to me how small <laughs> Where are like, a, you think of a radio station. as big old thing. No, it's like, it's one room with a computer it's and a, a microphone and some, <laughs> yeah, it's a closet. And I'm thinking to myself, this blew my mind that this, <laughs> this is this radio channel. He goes, yes. That's uh-huh. it. That is incredible. That it really. I mean, you're thinking like all, back in the day, all, like all oh, this space. No, it's a closet. Literally, it's a closet with a computer and a microphone and headset. That's crazy to me.
1: Radio did have a different heyday. Uh, I, it started to go out whenever you started to see um, corporations, bigger corporations, start to take over the smaller stations. Okay. I Heart Radio. Whenever that stuff happened, now you're starting to see where you put syndicated radio programs on, and all yeah. you need more is a closet with a little bit of radio equipment, and that's that covers your studio.
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah, I just was I was blown away because there's you know different little studios. He's going, this is this channel, this is this channel. I, my brain just could not comprehend. You mean this? This does all the stuff for that channel? He goes, yes. I said, wow.
1: Most studios are very small, and we, I was very blessed when I worked at Seven Ranges Radio. Light Rock 93R had a pretty big studio. That's mm-hmm. where we could do that post-game show. We called it Scoreboard Friday, and we, it was fun. We just had local coaches call in and broadcasters from other stations call, and, and that was that kind of stuff I, I really enjoyed, too, whenever doing that as well, and it just it was like the same, almost same format as what game night is with Fred and Dave. But, you know, Mm -hmm. Fred and Dave just do an outstanding job. They have all kinds of people gathering scores and they have the links to all the coaches around the state. But you're Mm -hmm. right when it comes to studios, most of them, they're they're very, very minute in size.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that is wild. So as we wrap this up, if you Mm -hmm. would please give a nugget to somebody who's maybe looking into getting the broadcasting, what's some things that they can do to get themselves ready to do that? Because it is a very challenging job uh, as we as we've talked about.
1: I'll tell you what, with COVID, you're seeing a lot more high schools, you know, go with the National Federation of High School Programs. Mm -hmm. And that's encouraging a lot of young, young high schoolers to get involved. And one nugget I could say is don't ever be discouraged. You know, the pay Mm -hmm. is not there. I'm just going to be honest, but you're doing it because you really enjoy it. Don't ever get down on yourself. Because what you're doing to get a name out for other student athletes as you get into a collegiate level or you're doing it on a professional level, it's going to pay off. People really do respect the idea of you trying to get the name out for a young student athlete. And mm-hmm. honestly, I do have a bit of a nugget for coaches too. You know, always mm-hmm. remember most broadcasters are not there. We're not like, we're not like some national media outlet. We're not ESPN. Mm-hmm. We're, we're people from your community and we always want to get the word out for your student athletes. That's always the first thing I can give that to also to a young coach that's trying to get into it as well. Because mm-hmm. some of the best uh, people I've worked with at times have been coaches. And many of the people you've interviewed, I really enjoyed working with. I saw you, Bobby Burnside, uh, Ross mm-hmm. Collett and I had a wonderful conversation before they played Lincoln this last season. There's a lot of wonderful people to talk to in the coaching Mm -hmm. realm. They just want to get the word out from all their (laughs) Mm student-athletes.
0: Oh, man, Coach Burnside, I I think the world of Coach Burnside. He is – I went up there a couple months ago to talk football and philosophy, and he he had a handout for me. He had a program. He had a helmet sticker. I mean, he just rolled out the the red carpet and was just very open about what they do and how they do it. And yeah, shout out to coach Burnside for sure. He's a a, a great dude.
1: They're they're really good people over there at Doddridge County. And if they wanted me to, they would probably take me at any point in time they've told me in the past they want me to do public address announcing, but that's too far of a drive.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. I hear you on that. I mean, that's for way.
1: basketball though. They already have a guy for football that does an outstanding job, but I mean, like I said, everyone in these communities are outstanding people to work with and never, mm-hmm. never shy away from trying to get an opportunity to get a, a young athlete's name out.
0: Absolutely. Craig, thank you for coming on. Thank you for taking your evening to talk with us. And I really, really appreciate you doing this.
1: I, I really appreciate the opportunity as well. If you ever need any help as well and getting the word out in any other realm, I'll be glad to do it because I'm, you know, with more free time, I spend more time on tailgate.
0: <laughs> there you go. I love it. Appreciate it.